Hello, friends, and welcome to the Mr. Maxwell podcast. So today is part two of my two-part series on executive function. So in the last episode, we went through uh, executive function examples one through four, and today we're going to look at five through eight and some closing comments. So let's get right to it. Number five, working memory. Working memory involves a child's ability to retain and store learned information. Sorry, I lost my place. (laughs) Learn information and then later put it to use. This skill is crucial to a child's success in the classroom as it is responsible for short-term memory and execution. A strong working memory is exhibited by a person who successfully remembers and executes the instructions for a step-by-step drill, for example, in a gym class. This can be difficult for someone with executive dysfunction. It can be very hard for them to hold information in their brain long enough to complete a task. In a situation where they need to read or hear something, then type it out to relay the information to someone else, a person with executive dysfunction will not be able to do that or will find the task extremely difficult for them if they are able to accomplish it. Another indicator is if you are giving them verbal directions and they zone out while you're giving them the directions, or they'll ask you to repeat them often, or will not be able to complete the task due to not remembering the steps. If they are aware of this deficiency, then they will probably ask you to write down the directions or will write them down themselves as you are talking. I completely relate to this one. I have often told my students when they came to me with a request, or not told them, but asked them to write the request down, put it in writing so that I don't forget what it is they want me to accomplish. And anytime I'm experiencing multi-directional steps, like someone giving me directions, if I don't write them down, I'm probably going to forget them. Number six, time management. Time management concerns a child's ability to properly organize a schedule, complete tasks on time, and maintain patience throughout assignments. Time management is imperative for everyone in an array of scenarios as it facilitates the ability to jump from task to task and enhances productivity, punctuality, and goal-setting skills. An example of good time management is a completion of a multi-step project before the deadline without rushing or compromising on quality. This not only requires following a schedule, but having a sense of how long a task will take or how long they have been working on something. If they're not able to tell you how long they've been doing something, they will not accurately know how much time they have left or how long they've been working. Giving someone a watch is not always the answer because it's not just about knowing what time it is but in having a sense of time itself. That being said, having alarms or alerts embedded into the watch or smart device would make it a more useful tool because then the device is helping them maintain a sense of time. This is what I do in my own life between my calendar alerts and alarms I set. They keep me on track throughout the day, especially when I'm working and help me make sure that I'm accomplishing my tasks in the appropriate amount of time and that I'm working on what I need to be working on in the moment. Number seven, organization. Organization skills addresses a person's ability to efficiently arrange materials or thoughts in an orderly fashion. Organization is vital to a child's growth and development as it allows them to tell a succinct story 
or keep track of possessions. Effective organization is displayed when a person designates a distinct folder or notebook for each school or work subject or consistently maintains consistently maintains any sort of systematic method. Those with executive dysfunction struggle to keep things in order so that they are easily retrieved when needed. This can mean that their possessions are all over the place. Their desk, locker, backpack, workspace, room, etc. are disorganized and messy. They may even struggle to find the piece of paper they were just given and know that they need to complete, which can make getting things finished at school or at work extremely difficult. And this may not be consistent. They may have a perfectly neat and organized bedroom, but their desk and locker are a mess. They may be very organized at work or at school, but they are a mess at home. It could be that they can organize their spaces, but because they have to do so in a certain sequence or follow a particular method, they may not be able to do so in the time they are given. So if you give, so if it takes everyone else at work 15 minutes to organize their desk, a person with executive function, dysfunction might need 30 or 40 minutes to organize their workspace. And same thing with children. A student might need 40 minutes to organize their locker when a student without executive dysfunction might be able to accomplish the exact same task in 10 to 15 minutes. So if you're not giving them the time they need, they may appear disorganized, but it's simply because they're not able to do so in a way that they have found effective for them. And finally, number eight, initiation. Struggling with initiation involves struggling to start certain projects or activities without being told to repeatedly by someone else or without needing a reminder from someone or coming up with problem-solving strategies. This connects to adaptable thinking. They will often wait for someone else to start something and then they will jump into it. So this could be a situation where so when a child knows they need to clean their room or perhaps an adult, you know that you need to make a, you need to call a client or you need to get to work on writing a grant proposal or something like that. And you struggle with just getting started. And that is one that I believe that many people, regardless of your neurotype, struggle with because there's nothing more terrifying than the blank page coming up with the idea, coming up with how to get started. It is also important to note that the brain regions and circuits associated with executive functioning have extensive interconnections with deeper brain structures that control the developing child's responses to threat and stress. This implies the developing executive functioning systems both influences and is affected by the young or any person's experience in management of threat and stress and strong emotions. Thus, extended exposure to threatening situations can compromise or inhibit the deployment of executive function skills, yet well-developed capabilities in these areas can also help children and adults manage stress effectively. It is also important to note that, oh wait, hang on, sorry. That was um, a quote from the Center on the Developing Child at Harvard University. Children who experience adversity or trauma in early age are going to have greater difficulty in developing their executive function skills. Children who live in ongoing uncertainty or harsh, unsafe, and unstable environments 
will also struggle more than their peers to develop proper executive functioning skills. This also applies to children with learning and developmental disabilities. And these difficulties don't go away with adulthood. These difficulties often extend into adulthood. So if you are an adult who was never diagnosed with a learning disability or an adult who was never identified as a survivor of childhood trauma, you might be struggling with one or more of these executive functioning areas and not even realize that you are not the problem. You may have come to think that you are the problem or have been labeled as lazy or ineffective when in reality, you're just someone who needs a little bit more support. If you or someone you know is struggling with executive dysfunction, man, that sounds like the beginning of an infomercial, doesn't it? Before jumping to conclusions, try to pinpoint what areas are being affected by the dysfunction. Everyone's dysfunction will most likely manifest in different ways. So taking the time to understand exactly where the problem lies will help you to know what to work on. While there are many ways to address executive dysfunction, don't assume that just because one method worked for someone else, that will work for you or the person you are helping. Make sure that you work on no more than one or two things at a time to ensure that the new habits, routines, and protocols make a permanent change. Most importantly, give it time. It will take time to embed new methods of support into a person's life. And if you rush or are too impatient, you will not gain the results that you are looking for. All right, friends, that concludes my little two-part series on executive function slash dysfunction. And I have by no means even begun to scratch the surface. There are so many books, videos, lectures, academic articles, blog articles, you name it, about this topic. But this was a great start for me. And, this was a, and I'm just sharing what I've learned so far in this area of executive function and I intend to keep learning and if I find new things worth sharing I'll definitely share them with you guys down the road and again I will um, include the sources that I got this information from so you can see it for yourself just in case I misquoted or missaid anything and for now it is time for your next adventure I'll miss you cheers <laughs>